Picture this. It's blazing hot outside and you need to head to work. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get the cold air pumping as soon as possible, but it doesn't work. Instead, blowing hot air out of your vents and directly into your face. No, your car doesn't hate you. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the air conditioning system, and there's an easy all-in-one solution that will restore your cold air in no time. There's no need to go to the shop and pay lots of money when you can save time and money recharging yourself with AC Pro Recharge Kits. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience. And the AC Pro app offers clear, vehicle-specific instructions to help you get the job done in less than 10 minutes. So pick up an AC Pro Recharge Kit at any store selling auto products and confidently restore your car's cold air yourself today. Be a pro with AC Pro. A production of Dirty Mo Media. There he is. Come on in here, buddy. Have a seat. Hey, everybody. Glad you tuned in. It's time for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. Mike Davis, Dale and Hart Jr. in the Bojangle Studio. We've got a great guest today. Well, how, how you doing, Red? I'm doing fine right now. This They're is every like... week, okay, bud? <laughs> Buckle in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you died on that hill. Yep. You, your career died on that hill, and you were hard-headed. You're the bigger idiot. I didn't even think about it. No. You thought about it and didn't ask That it. makes me the bigger idiot. I think so. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. It's Dylan Hart Jr., your host and my co-host, Mike Davis is here. How you doing, Mike? Doing well, man. Back here in the Bojangles studio. Things are going well, man. We had a great show yesterday and we talked about it. We got a good guest coming in. Can't wait. I know, I can't either. Uh, I want to thank Ally for bringing all of our guests to us every Wednesday. And hey, we joke about how they're all allies, at least most of them. There's this a couple one. that might not be allies, but no, this, this one is, is. This is another ally. I mean, it's true. This and what a great! It's a great sponsor for this type of thing. Yeah. Um, Richie Gilmore is our guest today. Richie Gilmore built engines in NASCAR for decades. Uh, won a lot of big races. We're going to talk about some of those races and uh, memorable races. But he also built engines, and one particular engine for me, driving the Bud Eight car. And I can't wait to talk about that. I've had questions about this special motor for a very long time. Yeah. One quick moment before we bring Richie in the room. Uh, I want to give Lionel a shout out. Lionel provides us with all of our diecast. They are the diecast experts for the NASCAR industry. They're making so many great products. Such a great challenge, too, for them with this new next-gen car. And they knock it out of the park. They also have a new tool and a new car coming for our late model stock program. I'm so excited about that, man. It's a beautiful car. I've seen pictures of it. I've seen pictures of this new design. Can't wait to get one on my desk, a prototype in front of me to show you guys. But either way, appreciate Lionel for everything they do. I've become this diecast collector in the last couple of years, and um, 
it makes me appreciate them more, the quality oh, of work that they do. So thank you, Lionel. Glad you said that. Lionel's such a big supporter of this program. And obviously you said that they supply us with diecast for this table. They supply everybody with diecast everywhere. And, uh, and so, yeah, Lionel, big partner of ours, but also a big partner of yours. Thank you, Lionel. So let's get him in the room, Mike. Let's, let's get Richie in here and let's get started. Let's do it. Man, I'll tell you, you look really good. I feel good. Yeah. I was just thinking the same thing. He looks exactly, he doesn't age. What's what? What's with this guy? He just, just like he came out of the DEI garage. We just had practice. Yeah. Dale Jr.'s fighting with Tony Jr. What? Just like the old days, Richie. Yeah. Put that microphone wherever you want. All right. <laughs> um, so, how, how you been? It's been a long time. Yeah, I've been. Uh, I see you from time to time, but. Yeah, we run into each other in the garage. It's been and, a while since we sat down. Yes. So, um, Richie Gilmore, you've been in racing a really, really long time. Uh, you're probably best known for building engines. And uh, I've never asked you what, how you got your start. Uh, but reading some of the notes, you had some, you know, you had some good fortune early, early to get involved in, in uh, the modifieds and super modifieds and stuff like that. Your family was involved in racing a little bit. Uh, tell me about that. Yes, um, it was kind of a little family business. My uncle raced super modifieds. Um, Where at? Uh, up in New Hampshire, Star mm-hmm. Speedway, uh, Lee. With uh, Bentley and them guys. Yes, man. Yeah. Hmm. What a what that must have been what, an experience. What a bunch! Like Bentley's a, a superhero hey. in, in my eyes. He's an incredible driver. Um, so were y'all up there? Y'all were up there having a chance to race around with guys like that. Yeah, I mean it was a lot of legends um, came out of the Northeast. You know, like Bentley, uh, D- um, Doug Heveron, a lot of them mm-hmm. guys that made a made some great history and uh, trip down to. Um, down to the south, um, you know, and then the modifieds with Richie Evans, Greg Sachs. Wow, really? Yeah, th- th- that was probably you worked the, on those cars. Yeah, that was the you... time when I got in the modifieds. Was you know, with Greg Sachs was probably the uh, in the Bouchards or the probably the time frame when I got into it. Whose car were you working on? Um, I worked on probably the the big ones. I was around was you know was. I went down with Doug Heveron a little bit. Um, was Greg Sachs was was probably the big one that moved to the south and the Bouchards. Yeah. Uh, Kenny was the big one I worked with. So you were you a mechanic for these guys, or what were you doing? Engines, uh, engines, and mostly mechanic work at that time. So you'd go at every race. You're working on the car, and and t- you know tuning and timing and all that stuff with the engine. Um, are you a paid mechanic for the team or, or, or are you working for your family business? Uh, back then it was mostly volunteer work. Mm -hmm. And then I worked in on a fan for my uncle. He had a a mechanic shop. So I was a mechanic at that time. And he built motors. And so am I right? Yes. He had a, um, he had, that was what his shop did. He had a salvage salvage yard and a repair shop was the main 
main part of it, and then the engine stuff was on the side. Was the engine stuff motorsports, but the other part of his business was just general salvage, general, you know, like a junkyard, right? Yes, and probably the really the only engine stuff he would do was for my uncle. Um, oh, so it was an it was a customer engine shop for yeah. for regular cars, yeah, street cars, yep. and you worked there, yes, and. So that's what you that's where you learned your first um you know bit of knowledge about motors and building motors building motors, motors uh working on street cars um hot rods probably was more street rods um and probably the big first experience was we did a lot of custom Volkswagen uh, Beetle engines <laughs> really? and would ship them out to California What was it, so custom about it? They did sand drags um and we did a lot of those, um, but probably most of the stuff we did um, was Volkswagen Beetle engines and things like that. And then we got into the the racing stuff. Yeah. So when you went to work on these modifieds, um, uh, were you trying to, you know, did you have like this path in your mind of where you wanted to go, or were you just loving to be at the racetrack? You're volunteering. You're you just want to go racing. Um, it was mostly just loving being around racing. And so how did you ever, um, I guess, um, how did you get sort of tied up in ever finding your way to, to NASCAR, right? Um, was it through Greg Sachs? Was it through people that you were working with at the time? Um, we, we, we started, um, you know, racing and it became a passion and the Northeast, um, started really getting in the Northern Modifieds. And then the series that really grew up there was the Bush Grand Nationals. Yeah, the Bush North. The Bush North. And Oxford Speedway really became, you know, they had the the 250, and that became a big race where the Southern guys and the Northern guys would race. And they started that summer challenge where your dad came up, Richard Petty came up, and I think it was between the Pocono or the Dover race. And one of the guys we work for. So let me ask you, I've never, I don't, this was 1987. Yeah. And so I don't remember anything about this. So, so these were like Bush cars. Yes. And they would have cup guys come up and drive some of the Bush regulars backup cars. They were, some of them were their primaries. primaries. Yeah. And this was in, a, in a race with the other Bush regulars? They would have like a shootout. A match? Race? A match, yeah. It was like and, an all-star race. And how many cup regulars would be there? They would they would bring um, they would bring like six of them up, and they would race with the locals. And they would bring guys from other series. I think there was some drag race guys. <laughs> and it was like the start of the ARCA series almost. Really? And... Your dad came up, Richard came up, um, Patty, and I was trying to think, I think, who else came up, but there was, Richard drove our car, Patty, and we had it all painted up, SDP colors, and um, it was good for us because it gave us some extra money to run the whole season, and um, Bobby Gahan was our driver, and probably the coolest thing was they brought some mechanics and crew chiefs up. Along with it, and uh, Stevie Bird came up. Oh yeah, and he was fun to work with. And the King, I think King wrecked our car 
three out of four nights or two out of three nights and I no think, driving fool was no, it? yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i think your dad probably had something to do with him wrecking and uh, uh what do we know about that oh man it was like what happened I think, you know, those those two were really putting on really good show. And I think your dad turned them both <laughs> nights. And, you know, growing up from the Northeast, I was, you know, a Jeff Bodine fan. Oh, yeah, 1987. Earnhardt was the enemy. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so it was like, man, you you couldn't like Earnhardt, you know, and cheer for Jeff. and But growing up from Northeast, you like. You know, you like Kenny Bouchard and yep. and Ronnie and and Jeff, uh, but to watch them guys come up and uh, Bobby Allison was the other one. Yeah, I mean Bobby worked on his car, and it, just to watch him, he was the man. Yeah. Mm. Um, but them guys put on a show, and it was like man. I, and talking with Stevie and them guys, they're like, you you guys ought to come down, you know, and because they watched us work on this car, get tore up, and you can make a living down there. I was like, really? You get paid full-time to do this? <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, so I waited probably another year um, and decided my my cousin had moved down and was doing uh, PR work uh, for Richard Childers. Oh. And um, so I decided to... Um, take a trip down into the Atlanta race and that that was probably my first experience coming down south and to visit and I got the bug and I said I'm gonna I'm gonna make this move and Kenny had run for rookie of the year Bouchard yeah with uh Wood Whitcomb. Whitcomb yep all right so so that was your end you yep. knew Kenny and yep. you went um first off I want to want to say that Dad and Ron Bouchard were very, very close. Yes. You, yep. And I know you know this, but um, I remember them two being very, very good friends. And um, Dad, Ron used to put on sort of a similar thing with uh, with um, with a track up north, maybe a couple different tracks. I think Stafford was one of them. Stafford, but they did yep. it a couple years in a row where Dad and some of the guys went up there, some of the cup guys went up there and ran some races and had a great time. But um, – I remember Bob Wickham's team, and uh, me and you'll you'll you might remember this. I didn't know who you were at the time, but you yeah. probably saw me nosing around in the trailer. <laughs> we got to talk about one thing. I got to make make a note. Um, but I got to be really good friends with Mike Wickham, yeah. and I still talk to him today. Uh, we'll text back and forth and uh, see what's going on in each other's lives. But um, he was asking me for tickets to the six hundred the other week. Um, cause he had something that fell out, but I got to be really good friends with Mike. I, you know, I, all, if you were a son of anybody or a daughter and you're all around the same age, 15, 16 years old or whatever, we all kind of gravitated toward each other. Hey, you want to hang out? You want to, yeah. you want to go do something, uh, ride the go-karts or whatever in town. Every track, every stop on the circuit had a pay to ride go-kart next to the, inter, you know, next to the racetrack somewhere. But I, um, so I remember this team and, uh, Ken drove one year and then got replaced by Derek Coe. Was it mid-season or? Yes. So um, you come down and you're working when Ken's driving the car? Yes. And so, um, you know, and Bob, where where did Bob make his money? Um, paving business. Okay. Yep. And so he's, he's going to get into racing and he got him a little race team. They ended up getting Purolator as a sponsor, which was, I thought, 
wow, that's that's spark, that's that's been around forever. That must be a great partnership, right? That must be a great sponsor. How good was that sponsor for the team? It was at the time. Uh, you know, we were we didn't have it. Bob was putting all his own money in. Yeah, and um, when Derek came over, um, did he was, had the pure later. He thing? had the pure later deal, mm. and they were just renegotiating. And I remember at the time. It, it was a million-dollar sponsor. That's a lot. And it was like, boom, you know, we're rich. We're going. <laughs> <laughs> and that um, really turned out to be a, you know, a good sponsor for us at the time. Yeah. And we got Buddy Parrott. Really? Which was. How did he get, how did you get him? You know, Buddy was in between jobs. And, um, you know, we were just a bunch of kids. And that was probably one of the, probably one of my big breaks, too, was to get to work for Buddy Parrott. I mean, you learn so much from you look back at your career and you look at people you got to work for. Yeah. But he was He's a legend. I mean, he taught us and we were like the bad news bears, we called ourselves. And with him leading us, we left the shop every week believing we could win a race. Mm-hmm. And you know, and we did and we were very fortunate in ninety, you know, to win the Daytona five hundred. Yep. We, so I won't stop you yep. there. I remember my, the first time I ever saw you was on TV, jumping off pit wall, out across <laughs> Vic, out across pit road, when y'all won that race. Yep. You, I bet you you have this etched in your brain, but that that was the first. I didn't even know who you were, but you stood out in that moment for whatever reason for me. You know, we'd get intertwined and yep. work together years down the road. But I'll never forget that. I was obviously disappointed because yeah. Daddy, Daddy had a flat tire on the back straightaway. But um, y'all ran second to Dad. Literally, felt like the whole Most damn of race. The day. Yeah, yeah, it was wild. Um, so, who built the motor for that car? Uh, Keith Dorton. Keith Dorton. How did you get hooked up with Keith Dorton? Um, you know, we were a small team, and we we leased engines from from Rick and Rick Hendricks. Rick Hendricks to run the big tracks. And who was who were you getting motors for for the other races? Uh, from Keith. Okay. And Keith, um, son Jeff, and I worked on the short track engines, mm-hmm. and um, it was a great experience in my life to work for Keith. Um, so we would work over there at night, uh, all the time, crazy hours. Yeah. Go back to Keith. What was the name of Keith's built uh, business? Automotive specialist. Do you rem- do you know that Uncle Randy worked over there? Oh yeah, Did, were you there when the same at the same time when my uncle Randy was there? Yes. So you worked with Randy Earnhardt, and I'm just now putting this together. Twice. Yes. Yep. You worked with him at the engine shop with Keith, and yep. then at DEI. Yep. I didn't even think about that. Yep. So, um, what, what was it like working with Randy back then? Before you know, you know, he's Dad's brother. Yep. Um, you don't. You have no. You have no idea what's gonna become with y'all working together at DEI, but what kind of, what kind of guy was he to work with? It was great. I, um, all the time I always worked with Randy. We were, we were really good friends. Cause I think a lot of times at Keith, he, he looked after me cause I was a kid. Yeah. And, um, but we were always good friends. Yeah. We don't yeah. get to hear enough about Randy, frankly. I don't even know a whole lot about him. Right. I mean, was he anything like Danny and Dale? I mean, like how, what was his <laughs> He's personality? So He's he, a little different. He was, he was a, to me, he was uh, always the happy guy, you know. Oh, then that would be very different. Yes. Yeah, he was different. <laughs> yeah. He, Randy was always um, 
total opposite, you yeah. know, of them. He was always the happy go guy. He had that moment though; he could snap on you. Could he? Um, but most of the time, he was the guy that would do anything for you, mm. and um, really nice guy. Sensible. Yeah. Very sensible. Yeah. Great yeah. parts guy. Mm-hmm. Um, very good at memory. He had a great memory on him. Uh, new numbers. Um, super to work with. Yeah, you could ask him for yeah. something. He knew exactly where it was yeah. and what you needed. Um, he ended up running parts at DEI. So what are you learning about motors? What? So the reason why I asked this question is because yeah. from that moment when, you, when, when Derek wins the 1990 Daytona 500, from that moment on, I connect you to speed, especially in restrictor plate engines. Like, for whatever reason, I marry you to that quality. And so help me understand, like, what are you learning yourself about motors? Where are you finding power? And what what is what are some of the early discoveries, even some of the common sense things that, you know, maybe I wouldn't know even about motors, and where you're like, you know what, this was an important part of the process when you're building an engine this has to be right to be able to make sure that motor is going to do what it needs to do. I think probably the most, probably the experience I learned at Keith's was crucial to that. The detail that he spent on manifolds and cylinder heads. Marrying the two together. Yes. And so what are some of the mistakes that people make? You know, that they, when you, how, what are you doing when you're trying to take the heads and the manifolds and make sure that they, because the way I understand it, um, once you did get a great combination, that combination went everywhere together. Yeah. You never took that manifold and those heads apart or never split them up, right? Right. Um, you developed them out of the box to be together for life. Um, and so why is that important? You know, I think that a lot of people looked at, you know, the plate racing and I always say it a lot. A lot of people can make a lot of horsepower, but, and Smokey Eunuch said this, and it was really cool early for me um, to get introduced to Smokey. And he said, Richie, remember one thing that engine is just an air pump. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, now that stuck in my mind for all these years. And just to treat an engine like an air pump, you know, you got to get the air out of it to make power. And, Looking back at working with Keith, Keith Keith Dorton probably understood that more than anybody else is how to get, how to make a restrictor plate engine run and get the most air out of it. And Robbie Yates is probably, you know, in that same category, uh, two guys that really understood that. Can I ask real quick? Is, is I'm assuming Keith Dorton is related to Randy Dorton. Brothers, they're he's, brothers. He's Randy's. Randy Dorton being the legendary engine builder for Hendrick Motorsports. You know, I think Keith Keith's Randy's older brother. Got it. And I think Keith's probably one of the best engine builders I know I have ever been around. Keith's always wanted just to own his own company and work on his own. Um, those are two different. You know, Randy Randy had his own company for and got bought out by Rick. And wanted to go down the path of, um, you know, building a company with Rick and um, trying to make a, you know, be the best in the NASCAR circuit. Keith didn't want that. Keith wanted to build all different kinds of 
of engines, sprint car engines, cup engines, but stay on his own, do his own deal. Yeah. Mm. Keith, literally, I mean, how many motors were y'all building at the peak? There was y'all had uh, motors for. If you could name the type of you know series or whatever, whether it be ASA, short track, super late models, stock cars, y'all were building them. And probably, I mean, anything you can imagine, we were building. And probably every guy that's in NASCAR that's built engines has been through Keith's shop. <laughs> And that's the other thing people don't, have, don't realize, um, especially the older generation engine builders mm-hmm. has worked for Keith at one time. That's interesting. Did you ever know Keith? I used to. I went in there a time or two. Uh, to we, I think there was a couple times when we got an engine from from y'all for something I was either doing with our late model program or. I'm not 100%. I don't remember exactly, but I remember going over there and bugging Randy about things, and I think I got one motor from over there at one point early, early in my career. But uh, their business, that was the – outside of, like, uh, a race team where, like, Randy would be – you know, you had head engine builders that were famed that worked at RCR and other other race teams, but their business was, like – at the top of the mountain in terms of if you were if you were a weekend racer looking for one of the best motors that com- you know their their business was often mentioned uh you know as one of the places you wanted to go and uh, very well respected always they no durability issues um but they made a lot of f- motors like yeah. how, how many engines were y'all building in one given year uh, probably over 600. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. It's almost two a day. <laughs> and and one, of the, one of the stories I want to mention about Keith is mm-hmm. how, how hard they worked. And the guys that went through that shop, the year we won the 500 with Derek Cope, and a lot of people were like, man, it's, I think Chocolate and them guys always – bust on me about man that was like buster douglas slipping on a banana peel when you guys beat us but i said you know we we definitely you know we're going to finish second to dale um because he definitely had the car to beat um but i always rub them into they they finished to me second a lot um yeah so i, I get them back um <laughs> but that year um you know, Keith's son, Jeff, which is a really good engine builder, still works for his dad. Um, and I worked on that engine, and, and several people put a lot of hours in, but Keith worked on them cylinder heads for hours. Um, and uh, Keith had, you know, still battles with MS, but he welded and welded and welded on them cylinder heads to make them special. <laughs> But we qualified for that race, ran the 150s. At, they were the 150s at the time. And um, after the 150s, we, me and another guy, John M. Bailey, his dad was a famous race car driver, H.B. Bailey, drove that engine back, swapped cylinder heads, and ran that same uh, long block and won the 500. So that engine... You know, now we run the same engine, but back then everybody ran three engines that mm-hmm. week. You had a practice motor, qualifying motor, and then a race motor. Race motor. So, and sometimes like a team like yours or a team like um, a team like the forty-one car, 
the Kodiak car, they yep. would get like the 125 motor out of out of Jeff Gordon's car, right? right. You know, those those qual- those qualifying and and 125 or practice motors would be in the back half of the field. Yes, in some motor, in some cases. Um, so when you would take it back and swap the heads, taking so that that goes against what I was thinking. So the heads and the intake would be split up, and you have another set of heads. Yep. Purposely married to that same intake. And so you would prepare multiple sets of heads to one intake, knowing you were going to make these, these yes. adjustments throughout the weekend. Yep. And so when you're saying you were welding on the heads to make them special, people want to know what that means. So what? So why would you need to do that? Well, back then, you know, the, the rules were a lot more open. Yep. Um, but they had different valve angles and rules. So to get into the to make these these cylinder heads back then, like we do now, um, you could get a lot more creative. You could weld on the heads, roll the valves over. Um, to make what them, does rolling the valves over mean? To get the valve angle you want. So you literally would take the valve out, weld up the whole thing, drill a new hole, and change the angle entirely of the valve, and you'd have to build a whole new seat and everything for the valve? Oh, yeah. You would get very cre- creative. Well, um, but practically <laughs> speaking, if this can be done, what does changing the angle of the valve do? It gets everything more in line so that it helps the airflow. Pumping okay. air. So it's yeah. just uh, – Pumping air. Yeah, pumping yeah. air. It's big yeah. air pump in it. Yeah. So with air, with air, when, air's, when, air, when you're getting air out, right, you're doing everything you can to get air out, how are you trying to get the air, more air in, right? So you're, tr- right. You know, right? you're trying to increase airflow. So the intake, right, you had, you had ability to get up air and get creative inside of that. That, though, would come with its own challenges because tools to be able to get into those spaces, right, you, you cut this – do you cut the intake in half? What do you do to get in there to work on it? I would say in 1990, we probably had the most creative manifold you could imagine. There, yeah. there was, you know, there's an open plenum. Um, but Keith was probably the, the first one to ever come up with stuff inside it that floated. Um, to make the air get through there faster, right? Absolutely. And so was... I mean, obviously, making that valley and the air, the the space in there larger was a way to do that, right? Creating more space, and but didn't didn't you guys get? Wasn't there sort of like a a, a balance between getting that space in that area big enough, but also not getting so thin that it would collapse on itself? Yep. Wasn't there some issues at point sometimes where y'all were like getting so aggressive, like the actual intake itself would just, uh, um, I don't know what the word to use to describe it, but it would, it would, it would, it would break. The it inter- would break. Yeah. The interior of the intake would, cl- would crack and break and collapse. Isn't that crazy, Mike? <laughs> it's insane. Listen, I, I, I mean, just give us the master's class. I mean, I'm wondering, I mean, like this is back in the nineties. I'm, I'm just finding myself wishing that we were back in these days. I mean, yeah. like, it feels like we've been, We've been deprived me, and stripped away from all these ingenuities. So it, you, it was so innovative back then. It was so it's much amazing. fun. Getting yeah. the ports from the intake to the head to be perfect, right? How do you ever shut that off? So if you're if you're a perfectionist and you're you're looking at this head and this intake and it's on the table and you got 
a couple of days left for you got to have this thing together and going down the road in the hauler. You know, how, how do you ever decide, okay, I've done all I can do. You, you know, you, you, there's gotta be some, so much self-control there for you to finally say, you know what, I can't, I can probably make this better, but I gotta, what, what, you know, how many times have you sort of had that battle with yourself to where you like, I need to quit fooling with this thing. I think uh, we, back then we would work until the car had to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so just always trying to get it better, get it better and yeah. better. And your dyno in this thing on and off, on and off the dyno, right? Yeah. What did you ever put it on? You ever had, you ever had it where you're like, oh man, I'm sure I made a great adjustment here. I'm sure I've made an improvement on, on the, on the motor and you put it on there and it didn't do it. Yeah. And uh, then, what do you do? I mean, we would, I mean, we would always want to make one more pull. And, yeah. You know, and like you say, sometimes you make that one change, you know, oh, man, we just lost something. Yeah, you would, like, oh, You got to go back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and I mean, that's why we'd, we'd eat lunch, breakfast, and dinner there. Yeah. You know, because you'd, you'd back up. Were you with the team when you guys won Dover? Yeah. But Derek, Derek, so I was at that race, and I don't know how Derek won. So do you remember all of that? Yeah. So I'm walking around in the garage area. I think Dad had an engine problem or something that day. He had some problems, so I'm kind of not really plugged into the race itself. But I remember looking on the scoreboard, and I'm going, holy crap, uh, Mike's car's leading a damn race. Yep. And y'all led like the last 200 or 180 laps or something. We, we led the first part of the race. And um, we we hired an engineer, Steve Peterson. I, I remember went, Steve Peterson. So Steve. And uh, he ran us out of gas. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> leading the race. Yeah. And uh, we lost two laps. Oh, shit. So we made one back up under green and then got a caution. Yeah. So we made two laps up that day. And um, then came back, like you said, we led the last 200 laps. But that's how good that car was that day, and um, so that so that was the great win for you, everybody on that team. The Daytona 500 was an insane moment for for everybody. But that win at Dover, I think, was the one that said we're a great Learned. race team. Yep. We're not just a restrictor plate fluke. We're a race team that's that's good and and can win races. Cat, you know. How do you categorize that the rest of that year? I think we probably two other races that year we had chance of winning, and uh, what stands out that year was your dad had a year like we had. He either won or had an engine failure, mm -hmm. and the other one was Do um, Atlanta that year, and your dad ended up uh, dominating it. But we were right there second again. And at the and we had a Hendrix engine in that race, ran second to him, and had a uh, oil pump failure at, towards the end of the race, running second to him. And the other one was Pocono. We ran, we led a lot of that race, and him and Greg Sachs got together at the end of the race and wrecked. But it, it was one of them deals. We either won the race or ran really good. Oh, we had we had a lot of engine failure, mm -hmm. and that was probably on us um, working with Keith. We did Whitcomb spent a lot of money getting engines for Hendricks, 
and then we didn't give Keith enough money to take care of our short track stuff. Yeah. So I remember, I don't know if this was the same year or not, but <clears throat> dad and Derek Cope are, it was at North Wilsboro. Dad and uh, Bob, Mike would remember this, I think. And I actually talked to Derek Cope about this. I was like, hey, man, do you remember this? Um, and Derek remembered it. And he's like really pissed off about it. But uh, in the middle of the race, something happened. They were racing each other hard. Dad didn't like the way Derek mm-hmm. was racing him. And they went down the back straightaway. And I was standing in the infield watching this. And they come up off of the turn and down the back straightaway, Dad is on the inside of Derek and had his momentum going by him, right? And turns turns right. And I mean from between between the tires, you couldn't have painted it blacker. <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, you know, Dad either races the out of you uh, or – or, got, or you dumped you, you know. He never would. He never laid the damn tire to somebody, all the way down, and then drove. You know, it just was a really weird moment. And Where I, was this? It's Wilkesboro. Wilkesboro, that's right. And I was like, "What in the hell? That damn Derek must have pissed Daddy off." And I asked <laughs> Derek about it a couple of years ago, and he goes, "Oh, I remember that." Yeah. It, it little, and he had a little. He had a, something to say about Daddy. Yeah. He was not happy. Do you remember this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I remember. Were what, you also not happy? <laughs> I, me- I remember what Dale he come because Derek I think went over and said something. Yeah, and uh, I remember Dale's because I was like really good friends with Derek because we were close. Yeah. We were, I mean it was only like six of us on that team, and uh, Dale said, "Dale said, boy, your eyes are too close." <laughs> Your eyes are too close. Yeah. Oh, that is hilarious. <laughs> oh, my, yeah. oh my God! Yeah. I went straight for the uh, the eyes. Yeah. Your eyes are too close. Is he right? He might be right. Uh, he uh, might be right. And I remember I was like, a picture of Derek Cope. Yeah, I that is hilarious. <laughs> hey, did y'all give Derek a hard time after that? Oh yeah, I bet so, you did. Get the measuring tape out and see. You know, so, maybe a, maybe a quarter so inch. He, Derek is like a fireball. <laughs> He is. And uh, <laughs> so every time him and Buddy would get fighting about the setup, Buddy would pull that on him. He said, what are you are... talking about, boy? Your eyes too close. <laughs> <laughs> That's a... classic. Yeah. Hey, Richie, can I ask – let's go back to Daytona. That was too much of an epic race not to unpack it yeah, a little sure. bit. Um, you you kind of mentioned that you guys were just at peace to run second that day. But let's take it back a little bit more, maybe even to the week before. Like – when you guys were you optimistic going into that race? Like, where did you think Derek could actually be in this thing? Was he a top five? Not the day of the race, and maybe not in the practice, but I'm talking about maybe even in preseason testing or when you're when you're building. When did you know you had a piece that could win this thing? You know, leading up to Daytona, like I said, Buddy Parrott was ultimate motivator, um, but we had run Pontiacs up to that point, and that was the first time that we had built you know, the Chevrolet, but I don't think there was no fluke going down there that we knew we were going to run good um, because, you know, first we went down and tested. We got the Hendrix engine, and we are like, man, we're going to win. we got a Hendrix engine. So you go down at that point in Daytona, you could switch engines as many times as you want. And that whole winter, we worked hard at Keys on we're going to build a better engine than Hendrix. And the other side of it, Buddy Parrott was really good at speedway cars. 
So he went over and built the body. And I, I relate it to stuff we did at DEI with Tony and, and the guys that we had. And we built, uh, Buddy built that body with the G-Boys. Mm. I mean, the G-Boys in the days were like, you know. That's they, it. If you had that, man, you had it. <laughs> and the G-Boys really worked hard on that car for Buddy. And because they, they were with Hendrix and then they were went back on their own. And they built this car for us. So Buddy said, man, we've got the best Speedway body down here. We're going to whoop everybody. So we felt really good about our car. And um, so we went down there, and we were fast. So I kept telling Buddy, I said, any way we can put our engine in? He goes, why? We've got a Hendrix engine in. But he also thought the world of Keith and knew how hard we worked. And we pulled it out. We put our motor in. And it was faster. Mm. And Buddy goes, well, you think this thing's going to live? Because we did have some trouble uh, the year before. Oh, they were expiring? They were. We had trouble with them. I said, well, I feel really good about our Speedway stuff. And we worked really hard on reliability this off-season. So we put it in, and it was better. And I remember Randy Dorton coming over, and and he's like, you guys change motors? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, that one, that one seems faster. And uh, it was like the night before qualifying. Buddy goes, yeah, we're going to leave it in, qualify and run the 150s. And we qualified good and ran good in the 150s. What did you qualify? I think we qualified. For us, it, I mean, I think sure. we're top 10 or okay. top 12. Yep. And uh, then ran good. I think we finished top five in the 150s. So we're like, he goes, all right, we're going to run it. And uh, so we brought it back. Like I said, either swapped heads or freshened the heads up <clears throat> and um, and decided to race it. And story goes, because I, I, you know, I was still at Whitcomb's working for Keith. Uh, Randy never told Rick that we were running our own. So Rick came over. That's his motor. He found his motor. So, so he, he thought that all through the race and um, come over and congratulated us after. And, you know, so he really thought we won the race with his engine. When did he find out? It was like a couple of weeks later or a week later after all the hoopla. And it was kind of, you know. But he wasn't happy? Wasn't happy about it that, you know, because he didn't know, I guess. But it was probably um, six months later or something, you know, they they wanted to run that engine <laughs> at HMS. <laughs> they wanted to dyno it? Dyno it. Yeah. You know, that came down from Rick. Mm-hmm. He wanted to know what's up. Yeah. Yeah. So Keith said, eh, you can dyno it. I'm good with it. You can, I got two more just like it. I'll send them over. Here's the bill. Ah. So he sold them to him. He sold him the motor. <laughs> yeah, he sold he, them. before he dynoed or after he dynoed. He, he said, just... "If you want to dyno them, you can buy yeah. them." Oh, shit. I say before he dynoed. I mean, because you don't let somebody else take yeah. your motor over there, do you? Or I yeah. mean, was... well, not, I mean now they do it. But, okay, but now, wow, that, that is so <laughs> interesting. So Keith said, you know, because Keith and Randy had a, a little com- part. In, they were competitive, right? They were very competitive. Okay, by sibling then. rivalry. Yeah. Wow. See, yeah. the good, well, well, that's the gold stuff that you just don't what, know about that 1990 yeah. Daytona 500. If there was competition between the two of them, was Keith not 
concerned with sort of maintaining that advantage? I think Keith knew at that point that it was going to get that Bob was probably going to get all Hendrix engines, and on uh, by then it was like. Was Keith or y'all doing anyone else's motors? At that point, he was just doing Whitcomb's at that point. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some of our listeners might not know this, but our friends at Lionel Racing, the official diecast of NASCAR, have an entire line of cars and haulers that you can find on the toy aisle at a store near you. Lionel's NASCAR Authentics cars and haulers can be found at all your local stores like Walmart, Target, Myers, and Lionel releases new cars in this line all the time. If you're already a 164 scale diecast collector, or if you're thinking about starting a collection, you want to check out the latest NASCAR Authentics releases. What's great about Lionel is that in addition to offering the diecast of the most popular Cup Series drivers in their NASCAR Authentics line, they make sure that smaller race teams and up and coming drivers are represented as well. The best way to find out when the new NASCAR Authentics cars are coming to your Walmart, Target, or Meyer store is to follow Lionel Racing on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll find out everything you need to know there, and be sure to also visit LionelAuthentics.com. Start that collection now or add to the one you already got. So, what was the... What was the reason why you would leave Whitcomb's. Is Whitcomb's deal kind of crumbling or, or, or grinding to a halt? Are you seeing that yet, or did you just have better opportunity somewhere before that all went down? Because the Whitcomb deal, from what I remember, I mean, after 1990, it wasn't around that much longer. No. You know? It was Buddy Parrott and um, him and Derek's Falling out got pretty big. What happened? And a lot of it was Derek wanted to have a lot more input on the cars. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, being friends with Derek was still friends. I think Derek regrets that now. Yeah. And wanted to bring some more guys over from his old crew, yep. the Dayfuge team. Mm-hmm. And Buddy just didn't want that. And um, so they had a falling out. And they made a change at Crew Chief. Wow. And that was definitely a lot of us that were there didn't agree with who that. Who was the Crew Chief they brought in? They brought in um, – I forget who it was. Gosh. It was, he was at Kelly Yarbrough's, uh Doug – Doug Williams. Yeah, Doug Williams. Was it Doug? Yeah, it was Doug Holy Williams. Holy Yep. So Doug Williams and had a son named Scotty. Yep. And me and Scotty and um, Mike Wickham – Ran around the track all the time. Yep. I got a video on my phone of us three joking around being kids, you yep. know. Uh, at, at a, at, and I forgot what Doug went there. Yeah. So yep. before we get off the Whitcomb deal, I yeah. got to remember because, uh, like you and Mike, you were friends. We were. 
And I remember um, we had all, you know, that crew was so tight. And because uh, we were like the little team that could, mm-hmm. um, like Bad News Bears. So we'd always go to these racetracks and we'd go go kart racing all the time. We'd yeah. always do stuff together. And like I remember we, Mikey bringing this kid by, and my wife's here today with me, and we were talking about it earlier that he brought this kid to the go kart deal at Watkins Glen. He didn't have no money. <laughs> Never did. And he, he kind bar- of puny. He borrowed money from us to go go kart racing. So, <laughs> so with interest now, I said, <laughs> you came to collect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But my sister in law, she, she, Laurie, that worked for you guys, mm-hmm. and she has a picture of like, this my head's in he's got my head in this guillotine she's got this old picture of us that she's had forever holy cow we we're laughing about it and we were at um yeah we we're at Watkins Glen with us me you Mikey all of us from that race oh my god in, in 1990 was that a Mikey story that you wrote down on there that you wanted to remind yourself yeah, yeah it's oh have you yeah. already said it nope oh you saving it yeah I mean, I'm ready. I, I want to hear it because, like, this crazy. is yeah. yeah, this that, is going back to those. I'd days. love to see that picture. Yeah, I would. Um, I remember going to the go kart. Every, every if there was a pay to ride go kart track in You're town, on. there was usually we were going to find our way there. Yeah. Everybody in the industry, you know, they go eat dinner and then they do. Everybody would, you know, you'd run into so many people in the garage at the go kart track, uh, just wanting to frame and bam a little bit. I remember, and I don't know if you were still on the team. <laughs> y'all had y'all had laptops and in engineers and so forth yeah. before before a lot of teams yeah. especially dads dads dad's team was uh dad's dad's the rcr culture was uh short track racers and we know how to do everything and you you guys and and some other teams were some of the first teams to really like lean into data and information and um and, and learning that from the car and taking that into account on the decisions you make. And so I'm with, uh, we're at Michigan and me and Mike, uh, are running around, uh, having fun. And we get to the racetrack and he's like, you want to get on top of the truck and watch some practice practice is happening. I'm like, yeah. So me and him get up there and we're standing up on top of the hauler, the, the tin hauler. And there's a couple, there's a laptop. And it's on this little flat table right in the corner of the railing, right? And practice uh, either ends or y'all's car comes into the garage and everybody on top of the trailer gets down. And so me and Mike are standing up there and like looking around and I hit that freaking laptop with my elbow and it went off the top of the truck and hit the the ground between the haulers. And I was like, I today, even today, I feel nauseous about that because a laptop back then oh yeah not many people were walking around with laptops no richie i think he owes you more than just go-kart yeah. money and i don't know whose that was or what was on it uh it damn sure didn't work from that moment on <laughs> no it fell off the hauler i mean i mean and i'm i not only took out my man's laptop but whatever progress whatever they were learning about the car whatever they were trying to figure out whatever was involved in that laptop that day was that was the end of it for that weekend for that (laughs) do you remember that that had been steve peterson's laptop i bet it was yeah 
Is he still looking for it? <laughs> uh, oh, uh, you know, what's funny is that we had Slugger in here just a few weeks oh ago, and, and Dale Jr. wreaked havoc on his toolbox that he just now you. admitted yeah. to, and Slugger... There wasn't no hide in this laptop story, though. No, no, were. I guess not, yeah. but I'm just saying, apparently he was a little destructive as a kid, right? Yeah. I mean, like... <laughs> we were just... Keep him uh, off the head. We were destructive. We were. We were, we were, in, we were always in the way. We were always, you know, eating all the candy. And, Daddy. Reese's peanut butter kid over there, yeah. tearing up, terrorizing everything. every. We were in their hauler eating <laughs> all the Reese cups. We were over it, you know, when Doug was working for Kelly Yarborough or Dick Trickle driving that '66 car. Yeah. We were always wearing Dick Trickle out and bugging him to death. I never talked to Der- Derek Cope much. We didn't hang around y'all's hauler too much, but um, I-, I mean, maybe we did. I don't remember a whole lot, but man, I felt like a freaking idiot when I knocked that laptop off. I mean, I'm only 16 years yep. old. But I thought my ass was in big damn trouble, especially when Dad finds out. Did he? I don't remember. I don't really remember. You would have remembered it. I I bet he didn't. Richie does. It must have not been too profound because Richie doesn't seem to remember. No, I don't remember it. I can't believe it because I I imagine whosoever it was was probably like, you know, hey, everybody, you won't believe this. My freaking laptop's destroyed. This is why, you know. But anyhow. We had a lot of fun. I was really, um, not to get off on my own story, but I was really disappointed when Mike's team didn't, when Bob's team went away. Because, man, Mike and Mike was my buddy. He was such a, such a good kid. Man. He was. Uh, fun to be around. Mm-hmm. And- he was more mature than his age. Yeah. And I really enjoyed being around him. And I'm glad we're still, you know, friends today and still talk today. And he's he's done really well for himself and his family. Um, turned out to, you know, have be a great family man and businessman. And um, I, I just still admire him today. But uh, so, you know, the Wickham deal. How do you get out of that? Like, how do you leave that team? After uh, after Buddy left, it was starting to go downhill, and we were we started our own engine shop. Stopped getting engines from Hendrix. Um, they hired one of Derek's friends from the West Coast, Lloyd McClary. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were working night and day. And it got to be, man, I don't know if I enjoy the engine side of this as much. Um, not that I didn't mind working, but it was, it was, weren't having much success, really. And um, was at the racetrack one day, and uh, Buddy Parrott was there, and he he was getting his new dig. He, he was over there with Jeff Burton mm-hmm. and the 99 car. Great deal. Great deal. And he's like, man, you ought to come over here. And um, He's going to have to work on a Ford, though, where yeah, the I was, distributor's at the front. I was like, man, I never had worked on a Ford. <laughs> and uh, Distributor's in our own end. So I was. Is that right, though? Yes. Yeah. That was distinction. Right. So I was always stayed good friends with Randy mm-hmm. Dorton. And um, he said, um, well, I got, a, I got a deal. If you're going to leave, why don't you come work for me? He said, I got, but it's not going to start to next year. Uh, and it was the middle of the season. And uh, he said, I can't talk about it yet, but it's going to be a really good deal. And it was a Joe Gibbs deal. Yep. And Interstate uh, Batteries, Dale Jarrett. Yep. So. So that was the deal that was coming. Man. And you end up going over there. Now yep. we know that that was the other Daytona 500 that Dad was supposed to win. Yep. And you're to blame for that one, too. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, 
I, man, you know, Daddy's car was not handling really good that day. I yep. remember going into turn three, he was out of shape, and ch- he chased it at the top of the racetrack because he was going to wreck if he didn't, and yep. 18 goes right by him. But y'all were fast. Yeah. Uh, you know, y'all were driving right up on the back end of everybody going through that little pack there at the end of the race. So was that as rewarding of a win as the the one with Derek Cope and, and Buddy in 90? I think they were all rewarding, but – for but different reasons? 1990 was just such a tight-knit group, mm-hmm. and the effort we put in it was so – I mean, it was so special. Yeah. Yeah. So did did Rick uh, like building motors for other teams that won races hmm. that he wanted to win? No. Um, <laughs> I mean, it changed over time, you know, with, with Rick. But I think that one was so tough um, because we were just starting to lease engines to other teams at a bigger magnitude at Hendricks. Um, but I think that one was probably one of the tougher ones at working at Hendricks and, and because Ray was so competitive. Yeah, Ray Abraham. And it was, man, he would beat on Jeff. Like, we can't do this. And that was probably the start of um, – he beat on Jeff Gordon about about you got to get with Rick. This we can't lease engines. Oh, okay. And um, and it was really um, you know that time frame. So you're but you're an HMS employee. Yep. Working on the property. Yep. But also you're the guy that helped the other people beat us. Yep. So that was that must have been a bit of a difficult. It, was, it really was. Uh, Jimmy Johnson was the manager, the old, you know, the older Jimmy Johnson, yeah, right. not the driver. Yep, yep. And um, it was, I mean, because we ran really good with Dale Jarrett. Yep. Um, yeah, you not only won the Daytona 500, but he was a he was competitive yeah, week in, week out yeah. for, you know, races and yeah. wins. I mean, the second year, um, we were battling with your dad and Mark Martin for the championship. Mm-hmm. And it was definitely something the 24 bunch didn't like. Yeah. And it came down to, I mean, that's why Joe started his engine shop. And there was talk he was going to take some of us and, and with him. So that's how I got moved to the five. They uh, made sure you weren't leaving. Yep. So they put you on Terry Labonte's car. Yep. And you're building, you're building motors for Terry specifically. <laughs> Uh, Jeff Andrews and I, uh, got, went to the five, um, and we were, we were, I was just on, I was on the road with the five. Tuning? Tuning, yep. And what was your responsibility during the week? Uh, working with Jeff on. All motors. Yeah, all motors, yeah. yep. How do you not try to do a little extra for the five car as, if you know, when you're working, I'm sure you got an easy answer for this, but for people who don't understand it, myself included, you're working in an engine shop building motors for the entire organization, but you go tune on the five car, and when that car wins, you go to victory lane. So how do you not <laughs> – like, uh, this carburetor's a little better. At that time, I, I was only working with Jeff on the five. Uh-huh. Like, me and Jeff were building for the five. I would help him. Y'all didn't build motors for anybody? Nobody else. Okay, okay. Yep. So was there comp- – so each car had its own set of engine builders? Yep. And how did that not get difficult at times? I think that's again. You know, you're talking about Ray being competitive. Yep. You guys go out and win a championship in '96. Yep. 
was was that just you know did Ray was the engine was the, was there any competition amongst the guys building the motors individually? It was, and I think that's why they changed that in '97 where they started building the engine pool. Yeah. Yep. Mm. You're going to build 15 motors and everybody come and get one. Yep. Interesting. You know, it's something else I don't understand, if I might back up just a second, is that one would think that if, uh, if you're leasing out motors to the competition and they're winning, you know, the people that wouldn't know any better would just say, well, then there must be a reason and it must be the paycheck. But if, J- if Rick Hendrick also didn't like it, you would think that the, whose idea was it and how did it – how did it stay? Rick Hendrick didn't like it. Ray Evernham didn't like it. Um, Jimmy Johnson, the manager, was it his idea? Was it? I mean, because it must have made great business sense, is, is the assumption. But I'm just thinking it also came at a competitive disadvantage. Yeah, and I think that's why they made the big change in 97 is it when – and that's why I left, to be truthful, Hendricks. It was in, 90, you know, the in 97 they came to me. I was coming off the road, um, and and they said, you, you know, we're going to make you the head engine build of a five car for Terry because Jeff Andrews was getting promoted. Okay. And I'm like, all right, love Terry. Love working with Terry Labonte. He's an awesome guy. And um, – so the middle of 97, they said, we're going to start this pool where everybody just builds engines. We're not going to have, you know, no one on the 524. And I'm like, man, I was on the road, came off, built, uh, I built all the qualifying. They started a new deal where you built qualifying engines. And they had another guy worked under me, Kevin Weber. We built all the qualifiers for all the cars. And they put me back on the road for Terry. Terry wanted me to come back on the road. So I was doing qualifying engines and um, tuning for Terry. So I was, and uh, Jeff came to me, Andrews. He said, Hey, you know, they're going to promote me, move me up, and we're going to start this pool where everybody builds engines. And then they, they just pick the best ones by car is he- highest in the points mm. and uh then then the rest of them would just be given out to all the teams i said all right i said man it, i just feel cheated you know i wanted to be terry's engine builder you liked your deal i, I yeah. like my deal so we we're at talladega october race and uh everybody was bench racing and uh dale senior was there and ty and Ty said, "Hey, we got we're gonna we're starting another deal. How many we got? Nineteen guys now, or twenty? We need how many more do we need to start another deal?" And uh, I said, "It was me and Jeff Andrews, and we said probably four. And and your dad pointed at us. He goes, "Well, there's two. <laughs> and." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Ty said, "Would you, you guys mind? Would you be interested in coming over and talk to us?" And I thought for a minute, I'm like, "No, no." But, even though you were not happy with the way now, this thing was going, and I said, "No." And Ty said, "Why not?" I said, "Man, I've been next to that guy in the garage my whole life. I don't even like him." 
Dale Earnhardt. Yeah. Earnhardt. I'm like, right. man, you know, he's been my competitor. Right. Going all the way back to the 80s. And you know. and then we went back to the shop and we were talking about this deal, you Who? know. Me and Jeff Andrews were talking about deal, how it was going to be laid out. And Jeff goes, man, you really don't like this deal. I'm like, nope. I said, I'm going to call Ty. So we called Ty. We went over. Oh, sorry. So you're looking at the HMS deal. Yeah, HMS deal. And you're deal. telling him, man, yeah. you know, I just ain't feeling it. I ain't feeling it. So you decided then in that moment, man, yeah. I might call Ty, Ty. learn a little bit more about this. Yeah, I'm going to ride over there. Let me ask you a question. Yep. <clears throat> we know that Jeff Andrews has had a great life. Yep. He is in a, a massive uh, position awesome. at HMS. He's, a, he's one of the best dudes that I've ever met. Awesome. Great person. Um, he was asked – and he never considered it that to, you know, to go to, to DEI. go to DI. He was pointed at right. Dad was yep. like, "Hey, you two, you guys yep. are." There. But Jeff was never in, never considering it. He was one hundred percent plugged in to HMS. I'm asking. Oh no, he. We both came over. Anyway. Both of y'all came oh, over. Yeah. He did consider it. He considered really? it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, he was. He still had a year left on his contract. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't. So we but both you both go over there. We both, yeah. We both stopped by Target or Walmart or whatever. Change shirts. Change shirts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, Jeff was probably only halfway right. Considering, yeah, because Jeff had a really good opportunity yes. ahead of him. Right. You know, he was gonna. Randy was moving up to take a lot higher position, and Jeff was moving into. A really good position, and um, so he he went and you know uh, talked to Randy and and Rick, and they said, "Hey, here's a path forward for you." And and he called me, and he was going to the banquet, and he said, "Man, I I I'm, I can't do it." And I'm like, "Man, I understand. Um, I want to do it." And he said, "Man," he was he said, "I understand, but." We got this. We, you know, you ought to, you ought to reconsider. And I'm like, so I went and talked to Randy for about two hours. You know, Randy's a was a hard guy to say no to. Randy Dor- Dorton. Dorton. Mm-hmm. And um, but I, I had my had especially after spending time with your dad. So Tell talk about, about that. Yeah, I, we didn't yeah. even know hell, about this meeting. What the hell was this meeting? Yeah, it was. You know, spent time with my guys. You didn't like him. Yeah, you weren't a big Earnhardt fan yep. at all. I would say it's probably two, two coolest meetings I had with your dad was that one with him and Ty, and, and I loved working with Ty too. I mean, Ty was, and meeting with Ty is he's a hard guy to say no to. He's really nego- good negotiator, but your dad was, it was a trip around the farm, mm-hmm. you know. And he's like, he had, and I tell people they say, what do you think about working for Rick and working for Big E? I mean, they're a lot alike in a lot of ways because they know the next 10 years. And I tell people that all the time with, like, working for Rick, Richard, and your dad. But your dad had 10 years planned out. I mean, the engine shop, where he was going. um, And when he talked about what the future looked like, he knew it. Uh, It was amazing what he he could lay out for you. And there was no saying no to him. and it wasn't from intimidation, it, and it was how much he had planned out. And 
I mean, he pretty much told me the first night, man, I know what you're going to do for me and where we're going. Um, it, it was just really special, uh, his vision. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we talked about things and, uh, you know, from plate racing to how he was going to build a speedway program. I mean, he just knew where he was going. And so you left there pretty confident what you wanted to do. Yeah. You no question. And so what year is this? This was the, this was the end of '97, and uh, so you're coming over to DEI. They're they're because they're going to go cup racing, I guess, well, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, Parks going cup racing in the one car. Yeah. Well, I this let's see. I talked to him. No, this was '98. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they're getting ready to start the night, the eight car. Yep. I'm going to run five races. Yep. Um, and that's the new, that's the other deal they're talking about yep. starting up. Um. Oh. Okay. I, I misunderstood that then. Right. So the new the deal that the they team referenced they needed four guys for yeah. was the eight, eight. not the one. Yeah, eight. yeah the but one's the going. one has already one's running. One's running already. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And so they were just moving into the big shop. Yep. The engine shop. The car shop was already in there. That is well in advance. If you're talking about ninety eight. I mean, yeah. you would you you didn't even hardly know you were getting the uh, the Bush Series right at the time, and then yeah. you get that you win the championship. But if 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 what you're saying is right, then he was, obviously he was looking in advance. He knew that there was a cup path that he was going to put Dale Jr. in. He was he was just winning, going to win his second Xfinity championship yeah. in '99. Okay, yeah. we're going into '99 though, and you're feeling some buyer's remorse. You're feeling like you want to go back to HMS. Yeah, so. In the spring of 99, this second deal that's the Bud 18 is in the middle of their five races they're going to run that year in the cup side. I'm finishing up my Xfinity career full-time, going full-time next year in the in the cup series. What was wrong? Why did you want to go back? <laughs> All right, everybody. So we're gonna we're gonna end the conversation right there, and there's a good reason for this. Uh, the, the 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 discussion with with Richie is is a very long, in depth one, right? Right. And there's parts, obviously, that we have not gotten to yet. Right. And it needs enough room to breathe. Yes, it does. And it needs some space to live. So, what we're gonna do for our Thursday show is bring you part two of the Richie Gilmore conversation. And obviously, we're going to dive into DEI and all those years. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that. So I hope you enjoyed this first half with Richie Gilmore. He's an incredible dude. And tomorrow on the Dale Jr. Download, part two with Richie Gilmore. Man, I'm really excited to have Ally help us bring the guest segment every week. It's one of my favorite parts of the download. We get to talk to so many different people in racing, outside of racing. But everybody that comes in here, I want them to have had a good time. I want them to want to come back. I want them to feel like an ally to Dirty Mo Media. Thank you, Ally, for your continued support of the download and the entire Dirty Mo Media team. Check out Dirty Mo Media. Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.